next paragraph is just as crazy as the last paragraph. I know. It's just and one, there's no one, segue between paragraphs where each paragraph really requires a page no. of explanation. Yeah, it's like everything is just like one crazy thing after another. Like this whole guy's life has been just nuts. Like the, I, I, I read, I read one part, and it said the next week, and I had to scroll back a little bit to be like, next week after what? What month were we in? What the fuck? <laughs> because it would be a few paragraphs of fucking insanity, and then I would be like, wait, next? Oh, December. Are we in January now? What's going on? It, it felt as mad as, as his life is reading about it. Just trying to track what was going on. Here's our boy. If he loses consciousness. I, I don't care about this guy. He's a nice guy for what I hear. And the fact is, I'm not fighting him. I'm not fighting more. Fighting you. I'm fighting the 69% of people who are picking me to lose this fight. I'm fighting every person who has ever talked shit about me online. I'm fighting every person who stabbed me in the back. I'm fighting every person who stole my company. I'm fighting every person who stole my channel, who stole my brand. I'm fighting every person that says I can't do it. You know why? Because I can't. You're going to find out on Friday. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Wet Wire. I'm Sean Andes. I'm Julian Paul Butt. Jules, what is funnier than talking about goofy crypto influencers? Uh, just maybe a great downfall. Like the, the, the rise and fall of the Third Reich took about less than a decade. And, and, I, and I feel like we're just getting faster and faster with the fash these days. I, I the, the career arcs for some of these crypto guys is like measured in months. <laughs> <laughs> Not even that these guys are political. It's just kind of there's there's the there's the overlap between crypto and fash. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's definitely a clear overlap there. Well, we have a couple of things to talk about today. The main thing is that CPAC 2024 took place last week. I think we need like some horns and stuff like pew, 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 pew. <laughs> it's exciting, right? Yeah. And Wait, conservative- no, hold on. Maybe this one. <laughs> conservatives. <laughs> oh my God. We're like, we're like three minutes in, not even three minutes. All right. <laughs> well, conservatives did not disappoint. So we have some highlights to talk about from CPAC 2024. I, I don't even know how we how I picked the highlights. It's it was all gold, but there's good stuff there. Yeah. Insurrection, Nazis, the whole thing. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about crypto influencer BitBoy and his Mexico City karate fight that happened last week. Is, is yeah. crypto our new whipping boy? I I'm know. not sure if it is. I, I, I feel like you did not hear me when I just said that a crypto influencer had a karate fight in Mexico City last week. <laughs> <laughs> As in an organized event that had spectators and promotion. 
was Cobra Kai there? That's that's really the question. With a YouTube channel that at one point had around 1.5 million subscribers, crypto maximalist YouTuber Ben Armstrong, who goes by the name BitBoy, was as hot of a crypto promoter as you can get. I think he was probably one of the most popular. But BitBoy has since fallen on hard times. We hate to see it, don't we? It's, it's very bad, very bad things. <laughs> They're just nasty people. At the top of his game, as silly as the game is, but at the top, and now reduced to the crypto equivalent of showing up on The Mass Singer. I mean, even, even with VH1's Where Are They Now, there was like a span of a number of years for every one of the people on that show. That's what I'm saying. Like these guys, their their career arc is months, maybe a, maybe a year or two before the, you know, whatever pinnacle they feel like they've arrived at. And then they do like the worst thing. Like they, like they, they, they break all the financial advice for when you have a windfall. They like generally do not change your lifestyle. Do not buy a bunch of shit. Do not go into debt thinking that this income will always be there because it's never is. There's, it's almost like there's old money, new money, and crypto money. Yeah. So basically, BitBoy's first appearance on the washed up crypto crypto influencer circuit is a fight because fights are the crypto version of a guest appearance on a terrible game show. Like washed up artists from the 70s and 80s who are showing up at various casinos. But they, you know, we've talked about this before. Those guys are still selling tickets for $100 a pop. <laughs> All right, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you want to go see Rush at, you know, at, at some casino somewhere 60 miles away from your city, it's still going to cost you $150. <laughs> so, so, so we need a, di- uh, a dingy nightclub is, is the answer. There is some, there's, got, there's something worse than that. And, and that's, <laughs> that's where the crypto guys are going. And it's in Mexico. This is fucking Kevin James against Lieutenant Dangle in Fight Club. <laughs> These guys. I mean, we we. <laughs> I, I did watch this fight. We're not going to play any clips of it because it's not that interesting to listen to. But it's terrible. You can't even call what happened between these two guys uh, like a like a. F- organized like a combat sport you can't call it that there is no professionalism there's nothing i mean they they it looked more like a couple of dads squaring off at a picnic i mean <laughs> it, like it, like it was like it really was it was like drunk like drunk middle-aged men fighting that's how sloppy all of this was <laughs> it was terrible i don't know who paid to go to this thing i it's it wasn't even like a like tough man competition quality it wasn't backyard brawls, you know, like it wasn't any, it, it wasn't as good as any of those things. Like I've watched those videos, like, like the backyard beef stuff. Like I've watched those on YouTube. That is so much more entertaining than what these guys were the doing. Backyard brawls were so fucking early aughts. I mean, it's, speaking it's, of which, like the guy I, with the mustache, Lieutenant Dangle in, in my analogy, he, he looks like a hipster straight out of 2007. I mean, it's really just a bunch of fucking guys who are, I mean, not only in the crypto crowd, but for this specifically, it's like some angsty teens, except they're in their 40s. I mean, it seems like it seems like it would be a bit. So <laughs> BitBoy, 
Yeah, Bit. Uh, BitBoy was part of an organized fight held in Mexico with a guy named James Slammerin, a.k.a. More Light. So this was not somebody I'd ever heard of before. And it turns out that he's a crypto coin developer known for making the Harry Potter Obama Sonic 10 Inu coin. <laughs> yeah, that was all one word except for coin. Harry Potter oh, wow. Obama Sonic 10 Inu. Do you know if, if James Slammerin is his Christian name or is that like a moniker? I don't know. It sounds like it could be a real name. Because it sounds like James Cameron. Well, but he goes by the name. All right, that's true. It, it does sound like James Cameron. I don't know if that was just a bit on his part or whatever. But I mean, he, he also goes by the name More Light, which is... There is a, like if people people who don't look at stuff like this, I don't think they realize that there's a there is this really deep crossover between a lot of the 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 QAnon type you know sort of new age conspiracy theory type symbology and aesthetic symbolism and symbolism the, and the crypto community. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of crypto or uh, of QAnon people that blatantly advocate crypto. First off, because they see it as being a foil for the globalists. You know that it's yeah. a a currency that is removed from the fiat world, and that the the the, the Rothschilds, oh, you know, can't touch. By the way, you know, R.I.P. to the legend. Yeah, didn't he just die? He just <laughs> died, Philip Rothschild. Yeah, he just died, eighty eight years old. Yeah, the uh, the the the. The prince of the the wastelands east of the fire pillars, you know, like the well, like I have it. Lord Rothschild just he's, died. His consciousness <laughs> is just going to be uploaded uh, in the near future uh, to another uh, robot cyber clone. So it's fine. That that is actually in the works right now. So <laughs> you know the 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 archon of the wasteland is going to be reborn, and we're basically just looking for a body. And as soon as that can happen, then we can uh, implant him into into another uh, into another lifeless being. And it's not it's not random like that low rent Dalai Lama where no, 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 they no. have to go around showing toys to various children until one of them likes the toys. Absolutely no, 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 none not. of that no. shit. This will be the child of an elite family that will be implanted with the consciousness of uh, of, of Lord Rothschild. <laughs> <laughs> his archonness. <laughs> All right. So before we get into the BitBoy story, I want to talk about this Harry Potter Obama Sonic 10 Inu coin website. Jules? Well, that's 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 one zero INU, just in case you're looking to invest. All right. So once you get to this site, <laughs> the first thing you're the first thing you're confronted with is do you accept the truth? And I'm going to say yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do you remember the old MySpace accounts where you could put audio on your uh, front page? Jules, this is everything that MySpace wished it could have been. I was like, God, love this guy. He brought back the old internet. I remember websites like this. 
This is like this stuff is like he 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 dragged some the carcass of a solid late '90s website and resurrected it. I mean, he really did. There, there was this is black. I magic. mean, it's it's everything. It's the GIF in the background. It's as, got it all as the, the, the hero image. The the goddamn cursor is a wand that leaves little colored sparkle stars wherever you move it. <laughs> he did something wonderful. I mean, the layout, here. He the really layout did. is Microsoft Word meets the internet, where you have where you this have whole embedded thing is solid images Dreamweaver. that are in line with the text. No, no, this is solid Dreamweaver. It's got a, it's got a, an animated GIF of an owl soaring, a snow owl soaring. The There's incredibly a pixelated rotating ring from the Sonic. Son- the Sonic ring, totally pixelated. Yeah, like way too big. Uh, almost preposterously pixelated to the point where it's not. It can't even be that pixelated. Right. It's exactly. It's beyond pixelated. (laughs) But about the only thing that is that is out of the aesthetic are the embedded YouTube videos, because we all know that that was not how video was done in the 90s. It would have it would have a link that says download real player best best viewed and Netscape Navigator. (laughs) (laughs) Or it was Flash. And it was well. Real player was a flash player, but the but it would take you thirty minutes to download a thirty second video. <laughs> but everything else, it is so I mean, on it's target. In, it, I like if there were if there were iframes in this, I would believe it instantly. I don't even know. I I don't even know if iframes are even supported enough anymore in modern browsers. No, to- no. Well, well, you can do that. Yeah, you can do iframes. It's it's still there. But like the ad blockers will block them, though. That's the thing that that uh, that's new. We 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 might now be getting a little bit too nerdy in web design. For, for oh, I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't care if people know I've been around. <laughs> Look at this is like a mock up of a, of an old uh, Conan the Barbarian comic or or book, and it says uh, Harry Potter, Obama, Sonic, Ten Inu, and the Gods of Crypto Mountain by Bitcoin HPOS Ten I. I, I, every one of these looks like it was edited in Microsoft Paint. High quality coin that will take the crypto world by storm. Jump aboard or move the fuck out of the way. Is that Sonic is. coming out of her her vaginal area? What, no, what is, no, no, no. Conan is uh, its head is replaced by Sonic. No, no, no. To the right of that. Uh yes, What's, yeah. That is uh. I don't know who that that original picture was, but yeah, Sonic is definitely coming out of her crotch. Or I mean, she's about to sit on his. Fa- it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say exactly. And then we have like a, we have a UFO beaming up Sonic inside of some sort of a bubble surrounded by pot leaves, like a forest of pot plants. <laughs> no, this is this is amazing. All right, so I was going to give this to you to describe, but I'm just going to do it myself because there's too many good ones on here. Um, this is uh so the the one graphic that I just zeroed in on right away. It's the it's the all seeing eye. And up on top, it says Harry Potter, Obama, Sonic, 10 Inu coin, except the M-A and then the word Sonic are are highlighted. All the rest of the letters are in black, but M-A-S and Sonic are in red. So you would just have Harry Potter, Oba, Masonic, 10 Inu coin. So he's already trying to kick off his own conspiracy about his own coin. But that's what I'm saying about the aesthetic, though, is that... <clears throat> So much of this stuff would just be like boomer QAnon guy setting up a website and except it's not, you know, this guy looks like he's probably, you know, under like south of 30 and he's got, but he's got all this, this aesthetic down and the eye and the all seeing eye has been replaced by one of, uh, 
and Obama and Obama characterized as like a Sonic the Hedgehog mask, but on a a cell phone from late nineties, like the early oh. era cell phones. Where it looks like a fucking Vietnam walkie-talkie almost. I think that is probably Charlie Sheen in uh, Wall Street. Michael Douglas plays Gordon Gecko, And Charlie Sheen does the whole line about how he just wants to make enough money so he can drive his motorcycle across China. Oh, oh no. That's the Gordon uh, Gecko um, movie. But it might be Patrick Bateman from uh, I was going to say, Psycho. no, it's Patrick Bateman. Either way, it's like, you know, 90s like stockbroker shirt and tie with suspenders and what else do we have here dr manhattan uh from the from the watchman comic being replaced with a sonic head saying i am tired of dogs these animals i am tired of being caught in their dumps in the dumps in their of their rugs <laughs> <laughs> which probably is reference to dogecoin everything about this is oh, no, a it's reference a, it's, to, to a reference yeah, it's a reference to a reference. So you have Dr. Manhattan when he's complaining about uh, tired of people and being uh, being uh, caught up in their lives. And but it's, you know, yeah, he's afraid. Of, he's caught. He's a he's tired of Doge. Time is money. Yep. A lot of of like Sonics that are like look a lot like the uh, the Kekistan frog. The symbology here is wild. Maybe not everybody knows about that. I know a lot of our listeners probably do. But the the whole shtick of the Kekistan flag is from the horrible corners of the internet where not just Reddit, but like the farthest, farthest ends of right wing internet where this frog came to represent both this sort of reacting to everything in the most edgy, we're joking, but not joking. And you don't really know if we are joking way and that came to sort of represent this fat neo-fascist aesthetic that uh, that that came to dominate sort of the mid 2010s thank you professor jules well not everybody knows about that but oh that, my god it has yeah, everybody listening to this show knows about it <laughs> I, we don't know that <laughs> yeah we do <clears throat> but it's basically this ridiculous looking frog so anytime you see it it's it's part of this alt-right aesthetic they're fucking groipers yeah it's just another thing that came from the from the chan boards that's not that interesting but yeah it is a banner they've all liked to to fall under all right that's good that's it's good for this website <laughs> <laughs> this is so how James much. Slammerin, a.k.a. More Light, describes his shitcoin. Jules, this is you. Before the year 2023, when time did not exist, the, in <laughs> the universe manifested Already. a store of value. Oh, my God. The identification of this value is best described as the quest, sometimes the quest of hollows. Anyone can relive the manifestation by charging their core of Neptune with enough opal as they sleep i'm telling jules i am telling you this aesthetic this the this younger crowd of people has internalized the the like the energy of this era and they they have they've ingested it and they've they're shitting it back out and the old older people are not going to be able to keep up with the way this stuff is going to be transformed because they're taking all of this the this this language and aesthetic and it's becoming something totally meaningless. 
I mean, it was pretty meaningless before, but now it is completely divorced of any significance whatsoever. It really is. It is a signifier that does not point to anything. It's it's really where a copy of a copy repeats itself. It's so not many even times that though. It's that- not even a copy of a copy because the it, there's a synergistic ele- like aspect to all of this. It really ha- it's becoming transmutated. It's, yeah. it's not even just like the original thread has been lost. You know, the meaning is is gone, and now we all we all we have is is the is the 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 remnant of it. It is becoming something totally new. It's taking on new meaning. It. I don't know. Things are going to get. Things will get crazy. I think that meaning has its origins in such a layer on layer of sarcasm that it it it, it takes on a dimension. So far removed from reality. Sarcasm itself has no real point. It is it is so distant from it from any kind of point that it, it is just out there begging for us to try to interpret it, but there's no content to interpret. There's nothing there. I mean, that's what trolling is in the first fucking place. Yes. All right, keep going. But I understand there isn't enough opal to go around for everyone, and some people haven't ascended. I'm immediately thinking of the Ascended Masters. So I'll report it here as well. But you see, you shouldn't, because it doesn't mean that, even though it's capitalized. It's just some bullshit this guy made up. He's never read Blavatsky or done any, like, learned anything about this. It is shit that he's encountered. It's this language that's out there that's totally disconnected from its origin. There have never, there have been, <clears throat> let me try that again. There have been other Ascended who have identified this event as well, but have failed to interpret its tenets and apply them in real life. One such ascended has been gifted with the visions of the necessity of speed, as well as foresee the critical universal event. His vision was very near the truth, evidenced by predicting what he called the dimensional merge and creating the cosmic Sonichu, featuring Barack Obama, the first tenet, Iron guidance and resilience in a cameo. I, as, as I'm hearing this right now, I'm, I'm immediately realizing, oh my God, how could I have missed this? This was written by AI. I was just going to say that. I, you, you said it, but I was just going to say after I finished that sentence that this sounds like AI. I mean, isn't that like the, the, the perfect, like the ultimate end of, of, you know, of this whole aesthetic though, is like a, a machine that has no understanding of any of the words that it's using waxing in this in this pompous sort of way obama's presence is not a coincidence none of this is the obama family was gifted a gift of value a dog bow bow then in turn had minted a number of baseball cards a gift of value that generates further value this recursive gifting is second among the tenants that the universe is sending across the channel of neptune the third being the optimistic flurry of which Sonichu is a diluted representation of and Sonic embodies the spirit much more cleanly. The identification of the manifestation of these three tenets that we call the quest has also inspired other fictional works such as those by JK Rowling and her writings on what she calls the deathly hollows. 
Resisting the will of the universe weakens one's immunity to the effect of the low vibrational darkness sludge entities and the kundalini wilts in, in turn. So the logical actor must embark on the quest. With the quest's fruits now laid bare before us, we can assign a human language name to it. Harry Potter... <laughs> Harry Potter Obama Sonic 10 Inu is nothing less than an embodiment of the quest that led to its discovery, with the exception of 10 being the number of spirals that comprise the Tree of Life. If we listen, we can understand that it is a store of value. Welcome to the shitcoin internet, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking to invest in a new coin, <laughs> our next our next stock options. I here. mean, my God, if anybody is still foolish enough to buy into stuff like this, I, 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 I by all means, go for it. I mean, I, I think that, that this would be this kind of coin. This is the sort of investment that you'd probably want to take a loan out against your house. In order to buy, <laughs> um, this is the this, you want to ask for an advance on your paycheck at least six months. Um, you want to uh, definitely uh, go go to your local strip mall and take out as large of a line of credit as they will allow you to have. Um, I, I I know it is at forty five percent interest, but I think this coin is going to be worth it. <laughs> All right, now now. Now, now that we know how far BitBoy slash Ben Armstrong has fallen, we can look back up at the cliff he came down from. <laughs> All right. So uh, hold on. So I, I'm so you're, you're going to you're about to make a whole bunch out of this guy's name. I know it. <laughs> All right. I, not a whole bunch. But the thing about BitBoy is that oh my God. It, it sounds if this if this was a gif right now, it would be just somebody about to, you know, like about to go up for a jump shot and just having the ball slammed right back in his face. <laughs> his name his name sounds like some kind of a, a shitty 2010s kind of a, a rap artist. Like like he he should have he would have been better off as little bit. You know, I mean, there, there's so much like, like little Bow Wow, little Yachty, little Kim, little Wayne, but like the boy thing, the, the bit boy thing, I'm thinking like fucking Island boys. Uh, if we want to get a little old, boys is almost a little older. Come to think of it. It's more like beastie boys, ghetto boys, soldier boy, boys in the hood. But it's, it's such a fucking ridiculous moniker. What, what is even going on with that name? Why boy? He's fucking 41 years old. Is he though? <laughs> Is he forty <laughs> one? You know, I don't even know at this at this point. I mean, he, he anything's possible with these people. This is this is from a piece in the New York Times. With its streamlined curves and glow-in-the-dark sound system, the silver Lamborghini Huracan Performante was the stuff of teenage fantasy. Is he forty one? I three hundred and fifty thousand dollars of aerodynamic metals and lightweight upholstery packed into a taut and powerful body. Ben Armstrong loved it dearly. I, he's a he's a teenager. I mean, the, the he's whole a child. Fight, he's the such fight a club child. thing is the exact angsty teen boy dreams. The the guy he fought was like at least ten years younger than him. <laughs> When he started shopping for a Lamborghini, Mr. Armstrong, a cryptocurrency evangelist with more than 1 million YouTube subscribers, worried that he'd have to spend months searching. I think I have to go to Italy to get the Lambo I want, he texted a business partner. 
I don't want to compromise. But fate smiled on him. In the fall of 2021, a car dealership in Charlotte, North Carolina, shipped the Huracan to Mr. Armstrong's production studio in an Atlanta suburb. As a Lamborghini was lowered from a delivery truck, Mr. Armstrong, better known by the nom de crypto, BitBoy, let out a joyful laugh. I may have shed a tear, he said at the time. Back then, BitBoy- Hold on. So it's nom de crypto in this New York Times article. I've never heard that phrasing before. I mean, obviously, nom de plume- or nom de guerre, but no, he's just fucking nom around. de crypto. If you what the fuck? if you overpronounce that sh- French shit anymore, Jules, <laughs> nom de guerre. Jesus. <laughs> Back then, Bitboy was one of the most popular figures in the world. Scam-ridden world. Oh. Back then, BitBoy was one of those most popular figures in the wild, scam-ridden world of crypto influencers. Cultivating a persona persona as a straight-talking everyman, he filmed a live stream five days a week in which he lectured his hundreds of thousands of listeners on the virtues of experimental coins with names like Polkadot or XRP. He said that regulators were fools and that digital money offered a path to upward mobility. The The Lamborghini was vivid proof. Crypto would make you rich and cool and successful. Two years later, Mr. Armstrong, 41, has lost his production company and much of his wealth. (laughs) His friends have turned on him and his wife has filed for divorce. Over the last five months, across countless social media posts and videos, Mr. Armstrong has claimed to be the victim of a, quote, criminal conspiracy by terrorists who took over his YouTube channel. BitBoy is dead, he recently declared. The trouble started in August when Mr. Armstrong was unceremoniously ousted from his company, Hit Network, by a group of his friends and business partners. Hit Network is a, uh, it's like a a production company for crypto influencers, creatives, whatever, you know, like, it's like a, it, it, it is like a network. Yeah. So it includes him, but other people. Lots of other people. Yeah. It's just like an umbrella that a lot, a bunch of people operate under. And and this, but this would have had to have been created in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, and then really, other creators had to get under said umbrella besides exactly. him in exactly. just the last couple of years. He wasn't even the first one. There's there's a bunch of crypto influencers and like Twitch streamers, YouTube uh, creators. Since then, the schism has expanded into a wide ranging scandal in court and on social media. The various antagonists have traded allegations of extortion, theft, sexual harassment, and workplace violence. An extramarital affair has sparked particularly heated recriminations, and the Lamborghini is gone. You know, if they could just learn to steal money from the poors like the like the Rothschilds did. Uh, then, Isn't that what they're trying to do? Th- well, they're not doing it. That's like the whole thing. <laughs> well, well, see, here's the thing. When you steal money from the poors... You just want to keep your name out of it until you run for mayor. That's the trick. I'm going through a midlife crisis, Mr. Armstrong said in one of several recent interviews. A spiritual crisis. (laughs) In the good times, BitBoy's rise to YouTube stardom was propelled by the same cultural forces that turned crypto into a multi-trillion dollar sensation. With swaggering confidence, he spun a get-rich-quick narrative that held enormous appeal at a moment when clever memes were driving millions of dollars in deal-making and crypto was hyped in Super Bowl commercials. You remember Matt Damon? Well, it wasn't even fucking Sir Patrick Stewart one of the guys? No, it wasn't him. No, 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 no. It was uh, Larry David 
was one of the guys for NFT. What, bald guys all look the same? What are you talking about here? We're both bald, Sean. Yeah, exactly. I, I expect better from you. <laughs> We're supposed to rep our people. <laughs> that era has ended. The dramatic collapse of Mr. Armstrong's empire mirrors the arc of the industry, a once high-flying sector now tarred by scandal and teetering on the edge of mainstream relevance. As crypto crashed over the last two years, millions of people lost savings. Their digital riches erased practically overnight. Most of that wealth, they learned, was never real to begin with. (laughs) I love it. Oh, man. Um, Let's see. Oh, this is this is this is a good part right here. Like any charismatic salesman, Mr. Armstrong has a carefully honed pitch. He used to be just a regular guy, he likes to say, until crypto changed his life. After undergoing treatment for a methamphetamine addiction in the early 2000s, he attended a Christian college and ended up marrying his admissions counselor. For a few years, he dabbled in a variety of businesses, from graphic design to a car wash he helped run before settling on the volatile crypto markets. What is with this Christian cryptocurrency like pipeline? Somebody really needs to look into that. Did we find out what degree he got? I don't know that he ever graduated. Nothing about nothing ever in his bio says he graduated from this college. But he he was in a Christian school and then like I don't know, what is with this like born again kind of cryptocurrency thing? Well, we were we were just fucking talking about Eli what not two episodes ago yeah exactly and and he was he was speaking of sports cars he was uh stealing sports cars yeah that's (laughs) right that was his job before he got into crypto he was a car thief (laughs) armstrong started making videos in 2017 mostly low-tech monologues about crypto news but his channel didn't take off until three years later All right, let's do the math right there. It didn't take off until three years later. He started in 2017. That puts us in 2020, which was... Four years ago. COVID. Middle of COVID. COVID. Well, the beginning of COVID, but yeah. And so I don't think that... like People should not miss, miss that connection, that a lot of our ideas about crypto exploding happened when everybody was in lockdown. It happened during BLM protests in 2021. You know, like that's when that's when Bitcoin's prices spiked. So we have this all time like the world is is pull, is is literally tearing itself apart at the seams with all of us trapped in our homes watching it on our phones and watching it on our televisions. And meanwhile, and yeah, you're, you're what did people do? They bought crypto. And meanwhile, your fucking senile grandpa is learning how to not only use the computer, but to do some FaceTime at the same time uh, and uh, so that he can see his grandkids. But the thing about that, you remember that that video where there's that it went viral briefly. There's that lawyer who is in a very fucking serious deposition or something and he can't turn off this cat filter. <laughs> so he looks like this ridiculous cat. And he says, uh, my, my assistant is trying to help oh, yeah, that me. Just, that actually just showed up as a clip on John Oliver uh, like a week ago or something like that. Yeah. It's from that same time period where everybody was forced online and uh, anybody who is a last holdout to fucking technology was dragged, the, the, kicking the, and screaming. Jeffrey Tubin was masturbating during a video call. Yeah, we all remember. (laughs) 
Uh, but his channel didn't take off until three years later when a boom in prices attracted millions of amateur traders who were looking for advice. It was just dumb luck. He was doing this in 2017 because he'd already hit his crisis point. It was already COVID as far as he was concerned. Yeah, like he's on his computer, like trying to find a way out of, you know, from all of these economic pressures and anxieties that everybody else has been feeling forever. He just you mean he, he wasn't was, hitting it big in the car wash industry. He was like he was like a, com- a canary in a coal mine, basically in the coal mine. Basically, he was yeah. just like he was hitting rough times three years before everybody else got crunched on the planet. And he'll, but everybody's looking for answers in 2020, look or looking for advice about crypto. But he only looked like he knew what he was doing to these rubes that were all like locked in their houses all of a sudden because. He can't only look like what he was doing. Literally, it's impossible for him to actually know what he was talking about because nobody none in crypto can- None of these motherfuckers can, know what's going on. None of these people in crypto can know what they're talking about. They literally cannot know because they're all making it up. Like, it's impossible to know what you're talking about when it's this sort of like, it's a it's an improv story that's being written by by thousands of people all at the same time. They're just making it up. Collectively, they they see a post. the The whole conversation organically goes a direction, and everybody just keeps adding. And then at the at, at the end of everything, like it's a fucking improv comedy. Exactly. It's, it's well, it, they, it, they're just they're throwing bones on the ground and interpreting them accordingly. It's a it's a collective story that they're all writing at the same time that just ends up somewhere. And everybody who looks like they know what they're talking about. Yeah, they're just up on the latest entries. They they've they they remember, you know, like they remember six months back what it looked like and they can talk about it. That's the only difference. And and really these dickheads are no Honestly, better than what the fuck else are we doing? I mean, that's what we're doing too. Like, oh, I'm reading this, I'm reading all the shit that I'm reading, and I'm just like, and so but I'm not just I'm not contributing to it. I'm just here as like the you know the the historian who's been like jotting it down like oh i remember what the internet used to be like you know like <laughs> that's that's all i'm doing we're just narrating the collapse that's all <laughs> i remember the, the the stupid fucking video of the lawyer that couldn't turn off the cat filter you know just like you were talking about that's i'm not doing anything better i'm no better than any of these people these these guys are really just a shittier version of jim cramer they they're just doing mad money but instead of it being the stock market, it's it's really just a bunch of hocus pocus that is equally hocus pocus as the stock market. I was just going to say Jim Cramer is no different, really. They're not even because doing he a shittier has bad version. Fucking takes because he's a shitty version of himself. He, he, there's no there's no there's no good version of Jim Cramer. There's only the shitty version. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's making it up just as much as anybody else is. During the pandemic, Mr. Armstrong upgraded to a professional studio and hired a small staff to produce slick, professionally edited videos. His investment portfolio was surging. At the market's peak, he has said he had about $40 million of crypto. But the line between his personal finances, this is going to come back later, and his corporate accounts was blurry. Most of those assets technically belong to BJ Investment Holdings, a company that he owned with TJ Shed. What is BJ, TJ? A fellow crypto enthusiast who managed the production Oh, wait, maybe business. it's Ben and TJ. Oh, no. Ben and Could- TJ is BJ. I think this thing is, means blowjob. 
I think it means blowjob <laughs> investment holding. I think he is a 13-year-old boy. I mean, we know he wanted the Lamborghini. He is he is a child. It would have only been better if it was BJ42069 investment holdings. This is the business of entertainment, said AJ Pleasanton, a crypto influencer who worked with Mr. Armstrong at Hit Network. It's not always about the who has the best factual information. It's not always about who has the best alpha on trading. It's about who has the best story. I wanted to read that part because at least that guy, Pleasanton, has a little bit of self-awareness. Yeah. Like he that, knows it's the story. That's what's going on here. Yeah, he knows about the entertainment angle. Uh, in the in the crowded field of crypto shock jocks, Mr. Armstrong carved out a niche as the loudest and most aggressive. He often wore a bright green Gucci tracksuit and liked to brag about his success in the market. But his success is not even a fucking year old at this point. Well, and he's dressing like the head of our Armenian crime family. <laughs> he encourages viewers to invest in a slew of crypto products, including at least one offered by a company that later collapsed. And predicted that Bitcoin would rise to $300,000 by the end of 2021. Did it? Sorry. Spoiler alert. It did not. Oh, no. <laughs> Bitcoin <laughs> peaked around $67,000 per coin in, tw- in November 2021. And by the next summer, it was down below 17000 Now it's back to around fifty. So if, if people bought it at seventeen when it was down, they actually made quite a bit of money. Wait, you're supposed to buy high and sell low, right? That's what I always do. Okay. (laughs) But while fans would mob him at industry conferences, Mr. Armstrong was often criticized for promoting coins that crashed in value and accepting payments from crypto companies, including one sponsorship he admitted wasn't properly disclosed. So this was a thing that uh, about Armstrong, about BitBoy, that he was taking endorsement money from crypto companies and then pumping those on his YouTube channel. And then not telling anybody that he took money as endorsements to pump those coins. So he was just basically talking about things as like, you know, this is this is his financial advice. This coin's going to go up, 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 up. And then not telling people they gave him a big chunk of money or bought him a bunch of things or, you know, get, sent him on a vacation or something like that. Well, one of the companies that he was he was pushing was uh, uh, was Celsius. Uh, yeah, it's, it's something and that one did not go, go well. Well, yeah. okay. So this is, this is from, uh, not to, not to jump off the New York times article too far, oh, no, but, do it, jump but, it. but briefly, this is from the Washington post about, about, uh, Ben's involvement with, with Celsius, uh, quote, you cannot ever pause. And this, this is, this is from, um, uh, Ben Armstrong. You cannot, you can't possibly ever support Celsius network or CEO Alex Mashinsky in any way. Armstrong, who goes by the moniker BitBoy Crypto, told his nearly 900,000 Twitter followers after Celsius froze all depositors' money in June. So this is June of last year, uh, 2023. There was only one problem. Armstrong had been central to encouraging them to deposit their money with Celsius <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> I love it. He takes their money, he pumps the coin, and then he tells people they should never buy that coin. And then he said, and then it says, Armstrong had talked up the company often on his daily YouTube show and just two weeks earlier even appeared with Celsius's chief executive on its weekly promotional video. I, I don't I don't know what it's else to tell you, but it's it's just fucking flying by the seat of your pants. So if we were talking about actual money and not crypto, like that would be 
something that somebody could be brought up on charges for. Yeah. It's like, it's like if it was actual money. Except this is fucking Dave and Buster's tickets. Yeah. Around 2022, as crypto was crashing around all these influencers' feet, friends and colleagues started to worry about changes in Mr. Armstrong's behavior, according to interviews. BitBoy wasn't an act. The recovered addict turned Christian family man had become unrecognizable in his personal life. Seeking the adulation of his fans, Mr. Armstrong was now a parody of a crypto bro. Ben lost track of the person he used to be, Mr. Shedd, his former business partner, said in a statement. He caused enormous damage to both his professional and personal relationships. This is uh, this is where things take a, take an even more, like sharper turn. Last spring, as the crypto market struggled to rebound, Mr. Armstrong started promoting a new cryptocurrency, Bencoin, <laughs> which was which he was developing with Cassandra Wolf, a hit network contractor known on social media as the Duchess of DeFi. At the same time, Mr. Shedd was starting to hear other worrisome stories about his business partner. In a September lawsuit, he accused Mr. Armstrong of unlawfully directing and diverting as much as $50,000 a month to Miss Wolf, with whom he was having an extramarital affair. (laughs) (laughs) So he is stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars and he's not even keeping it he's giving it to his mistress and this again i cannot emphasize how short of a time span this is i this is within a year i mean is there a word for somebody who cucks themselves like this <laughs> like what is like what is a self cuck called i don't know you need a, you need a bunch of funhouse mirrors to jerk off to yourself fucking yourself in in, in order for it to make any sense Right. It's like the mirror where like like that you so you can see behind you as you shove the dildo up your own ass. Like, <laughs> uh, Mr. Armstrong contested the claims. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Contested the claims and filed a series of lawsuits challenging the buyout. So. All right. So I, I skipped a part here. So I'll just clarify real fast. Basically, the all of his crazy behavior evidently triggered a clause in his uh, in his partnership contract, uh, his his agreement, and allowed his uh, allowed these uh, the his partners, partners to buy him out, even though he had a maturity holding. If he starts at, I guess the clause is like he if he starts acting too crazy, then they can buy him out or something. Yeah, if you just like go nuts and start acting like a maniac, then we can buy you out. And they tried to, which and it was held up in a court of law. Then the ultimate blow. In September, a crypto investor named Carlos Diaz, who moved in the same social circles as the hit network executives, asked Mr. Armstrong to sign over the title of the Lamborghini. <laughs> Mr. Diaz was a one-time BitBoy superfan, saying, t- saying at one time at least, there is a spiritual connection, he said in an interview. I really felt like this was God talking to me through him. Everybody's attributing everything to God. What is this, all this like, like God crypto shit? After Eli Regalado, I think the crypto Christ connection is mounting. I really do. I think there is something that attracts this, this like new kind of evangelical, especially like, like ex-con recovering addict evangelicals and cryptocurrency. Well, there, I there think they're, was- they're looking for the same thing out of both crypto and religion. There was a there was a trend for a while. I mean, not that it ended, but I just remember it in like the aughts and the maybe up to the 2010s at least 
uh, where the there there just be these pastors of all sorts of strip mall rinky dink churches that would be uh, fresh out of recovery, and they become pastors. They 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 see they see the light of God, and they want to create a flock around this. Except they've barely read the Bible in the first fucking place, but that doesn't stop them at all. And, no, and they, and they use a story of like, I just got out of prison and now I saw God. And let me tell you all about God, even though I know nothing about even this book that I'm using to justify my existence here. It's, it's like the, uh, the, the comments made by what's the guy's name on, on TikTok that we both follow. Oh, uh, Dan McClellan. Dan McClellan. Exactly. It, it's just like the comments by that Dan McClellan makes all the time that, what everybody's idea of religion is a um, what's the word he uses with the like with the negotiated text, a negotiated relationship with with the biblical text. Everybody's idea of religion is negotiated with the text, and that what what he means by that is that we have all of our individual like our values, whatever we've you know whatever we've adopted from our experiences in life, whatever people you know whatever values anybody's ended up with really. They find the things in the biblical material that reflect the values they already have. It doesn't mean that the, the whatever they read in the biblical in the biblical text doesn't influence the values that they already internally hold. But it is a negotiation between the two. So it's not like you get somebody who is a blank slate and just absorbs the Bible. They bring themselves to the table too. It's like you have two books at the same time. You have the Bible on the table, and then you have the book of you on the table, and then you just wedge them together. And that's how you see your religion. That's how you see your relationship with the religion. Exactly. That that even if you wanted to just, just read the Bible, you couldn't do it. So you have to negotiate with it to pick to, to pick the parts that you want. And that's exactly what they do, is that is that they is they pick out whatever things stand out to them and then immediately ignore. Uh, or don't even read all the other stuff. And so the only things that they're going to get are exactly what are part of their book. Behind the scenes, BitBoy's problems were mounting. He was streaming again on a new YouTube channel, Ben Armstrong Crypto, shorn of the old BitBoy branding. But viewers had reacted to his downfall with a mix of amusement and schadenfreude. He is all that is cringe about crypto, a columnist for the industry outlet Coindesk wrote. <laughs> I love that CoinDesk is, is considered an industry outlet now. Hey, I've read several article, articles from them specifically for researching some of these dickheads. Mr. Armstrong was also under growing legal pressure. He had lost many of his assets and had spent more than $150,000 on lawyers since the summer. Back in Georgia, three male employees at Hit Network had gone to the local authorities to accuse him of touching them sexually, including by grabbing them in the crotch or rear end according to police reports reviewed by the New York Times. <laughs> Mr. Armstrong acknowledged that his studio had a, quote, locker room environment. <laughs> After the exposure of his affair, Mr. Armstrong released, the, oh yeah, the affair with the, the Duchess of DeFi. Mr. Armstrong released a video in which he and his wife, who have three young children, pledged to work through the crisis and keep their family together. In Las Vegas in December, Mr. Armstrong and Miss Wolf got matching tattoos. That's the Dutch. That's the uh, the one he was having the affair with again. Got matching tattoos of the Bitcoin logo, a series of intersecting arrows, and illustrating the currency slogan "Be Everywhere Now." 
Ms. Wolf said Bitcoin was a serious enterprise, a way to encourage people to dabble in crypto. She and Mr. Armstrong are working on a deal to offer the coin in specialized ATMs plastered with the photos of BitBoy, teeth clenched, raising his fist in defiance. It's like these these it's like he and Miss Wolf. The whole have, thing's just a had, fantasy. It's like it's like they have their portions of their prefrontal cortex surgically removed. Everything about right, there, this there story. There is no ex- executive function left. There's everything about this there, story no is just, a, is just no a, a drunken night in Las Vegas. It really is. The, I mean, the guy just he just seems like he's consistently decompensating. Every every next step is just a, like further degradation. Like, how much can this man defile himself? Uh, Even as he talked up his future, Mr. Armstrong couldn't help lingering on the past. Nearly every conversation in Las Vegas circled back to the same long-winded theories about the manifold ways he was betrayed and the simmering jealousies that might have motivated the scheme to dethrone him. A week later, the Duke and Duchess returned to court. Mr. Armstrong had begun the day with a series of posts accusing another prominent influencer of joining a pedophile ring in Thailand. Mr. Armstrong has sued half a dozen of his old colleagues, but the most personal battle involves his Lamborghini, the symbol of his, of his success as a YouTuber and crypto's potential to generate life-changing riches. In, in court filings in Georgia, Mr. Armstrong has argued that he was bullied and extorted into transferring the car's title to Mr. Diaz, the Bitcoin investor. This is where we get to like the full roid rage meltdown. Oh yeah, by the way, he was a he was found to have been taking steroids this this entire time too. So oh, I'm sure course. that plays no small part in this. Oh, of course. In September, Mr. Armstrong had driven to Mr. Diaz's home outside Atlanta, bringing a gun, looking disheveled in a sleeveless shirt. He stood on the street and started to live stream a rant about the missing vehicle. This man is extorting me, Mr. Armstrong told the police after they arrived to intervene. He stole my Lamborghini. Mr. Diaz's lawyer asked about the live stream incident, which led to Mr. Armstrong's arrest on still pending misdemeanor charges. Quote, did you repeatedly stream, scream, scream while streaming? Did you repeatedly scream, Carlos, Carlos, I'm not afraid of you anymore, Carlos, he inquired. After about two hours, just Judge Jana Edmondson Cooper ruled in favor of Mr. Diaz. An extortion case requires the misappropriation of someone's property. And the judge concluded that Mr. Armstrong had failed to prove the vehicle was not a company car. So it was never even his. It was never even fucking his. It belonged his. to the fucking company. So this is all part of this persona he was cultivating for his YouTube channel. He never, he never even bought the car. He bought, he didn't see, he didn't want, he probably had the money to buy it, but he didn't want to spend it. So he thought I'll be really smart and I will buy it from under the company. The company. I, w- I won't even pay for it. Not well, this, so This whole bright. scene is, is something out of the trailer park boys, except you just, you just yes, fucking it is. Uh, take, take them out of the trailer park and install them into a position of having enough millions of dollars for a week to buy a Lambo. You know what? That whole joke was better when you just left it as the trailer park boys. Well, you could just cut out this part then. No, because the intonation's all wrong. I can't do it. God God damn it, Sean. (laughs) And this will be funnier because everybody will laugh at you now. (laughs) The Lamborghini of BitBoy's dreams had never belonged to him in the first place. Mr. Mr. Armstrong slammed his hand on the table. The judge is corrupt. 
he said as he marched onto the elevator. Two members of his legal team exchanged looks. Their client had a track record of intemperate posting. Take his phone, one of them told Miss Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Quick scramble for the phone. This is this is straight out of Trump, too. They're just this waiting is- for him to go, like go shitty on the internet. <laughs> all right. Um, oh, all right. This last little bit. But the old bravado was back before long. After a few days, BitBoy, like everyone in the crypto world, was looking toward the next big opportunity. The day prices would surge again. I'm a very complex, misunderstood person, he said. (laughs) I'm going to be rich again. Everybody kind of sees that. It's just a matter of how and when. My mom and dad don't understand me. Okay. (laughs) You know, like the the most narcissistic, the most, (laughs) the most narcissistic, simplest people always thinks they're, think that they're complex and misunderstood. And (laughs) meanwhile, everybody else sees them as being like the most moronic simpletons that you could ever conjure up out of clay. Shallow as a puddle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. All right. Before we dive into this, uh, I want to take a break really quick. All right, on to our, on to the. We spent so much time on that. Let's, let's get to CPAC 2024. This past week, conservative right wing champions gathered in the Gaylord National Resort and Convention Center in Washington, D.C. for the 2024 Conservative Political Action Conference. I'm not even sure how that made that pass their book ban censors. The Gaylord? For them to, for, for them to be there. <laughs> Because they would have just done a, a find replace on it You're and, and banned it immediately. Such a high schooler. No, but that's how they did it with such so many of the things with the Florida books that that they just the word gay was in it. That there was even one uh, one book author where uh, gay was in her last name, and that was the reason that the book was was banned. It wasn't Gaylord. It was like Gale or I don't I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember who it was, but, but, it, but gay was somewhere in the last name as like part of the name. They're all gathering in DC and suited up for another five day binge of hanging with actual Nazis and bitching about trans kids, abortion, Obama, and a little bit more stop to steal. That's right, Jules. We have been C-packed. <laughs> I can still feel it. I want, I want some like background music that has a bunch of trumpets in it from like, Election 2024, that kind of thing. Well, I just wanted to say, look, welcome to the end of democracy. <laughs> We're here to overthrow it completely. We didn't get all the way there on January 6th, but we will we, we will endeavor to, forget, oh, oh, to get rid oh. of it and replace it with, with this right here. We'll replace it with this right, right. here. Amen. That's right, because all glory, all glory is not to government, all glory to God. That was far-right personality Jack Posobiec speaking during a panel at CPAC 2024, moderated by Steve Bannon. So already you know that this is going to be good shit right there. Steve Bannon's hosting a panel. Jack, Jack Posobiec is calling for the end of de- democracy, saying, you know, holding up the cross, saying, you know, that, that we're going to get ruled by this instead of democracy. 
If you don't know who Posobiec is, he's a pro-Trump media guy, used to work for OANN. He's got a show on Turning Point USA, which is the Charlie Kirk Network. Uh, he's also a regular on Charlie Kirk's show. This is a He's a guy who leans into a lot of white supremacist and anti-Semitic ideology, specifically big, big, big on the Great Replacement Theory. So you put him like on a spectrum. He's basically like a... Uh, like the bargain Tucker Carlson. <laughs> He's also a really big Pizzagate guy. Mainstream media absolutely loved that clip. I saw it so many places, commented on NBC, on CNN, like all of the all of the panel shows on the network on the network uh, channels talked about the like that particular clip. They just not ate just it up. those across social media too. Oh yeah, social media. Everybody too. that I'm following. But basically, the only people that were really getting into it deep that that were you know yelling about it were really like hardcore like Democrats. To me, it wasn't like what that's the first time you've heard one of these guys talk like that. We've Sean we've been over and over again too long. We've been yeah. This this is not new. I mean, like, (laughs) where have you been? Like, this is the shit that, that these guys have been talking about for the last five years at least. You know, they've been t- they've been actually recorded talking about this kind of shit for the last five years. Who knows how long, you know, people on on the far right have been talking about it and have not been recorded. You know, they made like obviously the media media make a, made a lot of hay out of this. It was the perfect type of content for them to talk about. But all it does is just give Posobiec all of this audience, you know, like exposure to these networks. I'm, I'm sure he was fucking doing exactly what he intended to do there. I, I'm sure that this wasn't a gaffe, that, that it wasn't something where he thought he was just talking to his audience. I'm sure he knew exactly how this would be received. He probably did. I think he was, be, especially considering the the comments that he made at the beginning of his of his actual speech, because he was a he was a listed speaker, not just an attendee, like a participant in that in that panel for the following day. I'm pretty sure that this this could have just been all part of a of a planned approach, but maybe not. Maybe it got a little. Maybe it it uh it got a little bit more improvised. Like heated than he planned. You know, it's possible because the next day his speech, it it did start off with comments in reference to all of the network, uh, the network anchors that had talked about him, but he followed that, those remarks with a complete reversal. You know, he says, this is the end of democracy. We're going to replace, you know, all, all of this democracy with rule by, you know, as he waves around the cross with rule by this. But then, oh, it's the liberals. It's the that, that want to take away your democracy. It's the liberals that are letting that are that are tearing down all of these these institutions. Well, that's where I thought he was about to go with it at the opening part of it. Is this is the end of democracy because they, they'll usually frame their own uh, uh, dislike of democracy in the form of. Well, these other people over here are taking democracy away from the American people. It was clear in that clip from the speech at the panel, though, that when he was talking during the panel that he was talking about them doing it. He was talking about the end of democracy, as in we are going to end democracy. Yeah, it was very clear who was doing the what. This is this is from his speech the next day. My name is Jack Posobiec, and I'd like to welcome you to the most dangerous speech to democracy in the world. 
You know, we stand on the precipice of a hundred year project and a hundred year victory. Now, as you may have heard, I don't just want to drain the swamp. I want to build a whole new shining city in its place. And in order to do that, we're going to have to drain and burn that swamp to the ground. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I've decided to reveal to you my plan. Yes, my most diabolical plan yet. That is my plan. And if you've seen Joy Reid last night or Morning Joe or Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, very upset with me because I made a, I made a comment. I said, yes, we are going to be ending democracy. Yes, that's what they said. We're not just going to end globalism. We have to end democracy, too, because I'm sorry, folks. It had a good run, but it's over. No, we have to end democracy. That's what the media told me. So now, my dear friends, I will reveal my plan of attack to you, my plan to end democracy by Jack Posobiec, the pierogies are. Number one, we will begin with ending paper ballots and ending election day. We will remove all voter ID and all citizenship requirements for voting. We will replace in-person voting with low integrity mail-in options and drop boxes. We are going to place state assets in all mainstream media. We are going to censor social media. We're going to lock up protesters if anyone has a problem with it. We're going to lock up and remove opposition parties and opposition candidates from the ballot. We're going to arrest the opposition leader four times. We'll flood the nation with millions of invaders who vote the way we want, release violent criminals into the cities, disarm the populace, remove religion from the public square, lock up bloggers who publish government documents called WikiLeaks. We're going to steal Catherine Herridge's confidential source documents. I'm going to do it all, and you can't stop me. Folks, this is their democracy. This is the regime that we will overturn. They say so it's not democracy when it's people you don't like. The, the lamest rhetorical device. I was even almost for a moment willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Not that you should, but just just for the sake of trying to imagine what the fuck he's talking about uh, in the first clip where I've heard some conservatives make a die on the hill exception or, or to, to, to really make it a semantic point to say, I don't like democracy. I want a Republic oh, yeah, and, and to make this distinction. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, dude, that's it's so it's such a boring cringy. distinction that they do. Oh, you know, this isn't a democracy. It's actually a Republic. That's what, that's what everybody's uncle tells them. That that's the kind of thinking that that really gets it, like uncles excited everywhere. Oh, you know, yeah, he's right. He's not a democracy; it's a republic because it's a representative democracy, like the Romans had. Which, by the way, I used to make a similar argument the other way around in high school when I would say, "This is not a democracy. This is a republic." I want to have a democracy. I want direct democracy because republics are bullshit. Except they're just taking it the other way around. I guess if anything, Posobiec, Posobiec gave the like his sympathizers some good ammunition because I saw over and over again when people posted that clip, you know, when you'd have the libs that would post the clip uh, from the day before when he's saying he wants to end democracy, they'd say, well, you didn't listen to the whole speech the next day. You know, you, you don't understand sarcasm. 
juvenile perfected sarcasm in ancient Rome. <laughs> it is. It was the nerdiest kind of defense. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if he was like feeling it out and he wanted to do the firebrand speech one day and then he was going to like walk it back the next day on purpose or if it's just if he had two speeches ready, depending on what the reaction was. It's it's really just some douchebag who says something awful and then right after it gets a terrible response, he says, I was just kidding. I actually like the idea that he might have had two speeches ready because if he had gotten uh, like a flood of support and uh, like raised fists in support of the what the comments he'd made during that panel, he might have had another speech ready. Like how newsrooms have have two different things ready for when some dickhead dies. Like two different shirts, depending on who wins the Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Posobiec was just one of the speakers at CPAC this year. There were quite a few. Uh, There was Trump, of course. You know, he was the keynote. Uh, It's basically been his event for the last six or eight years anyway. But these are some of the others. You know, obviously, there's going to be a Q sex offender Matt Schlapp because he's the CPAC chairman. Elise Stefanik was there. Vivek Ramaswamy was there for really all of these. All of these guys should be just all these people should just be either accused sex offender or a sex offender in training. Vivek was there for his stop on his groveling tour. Ben Carson is still around. Ohio congressman who definitely always smells like Ben Gay. Jim Jordan was there. (laughs) Liz Truss, one of my favorites for show for for this uh, for this lineup is the definitely the undisputed rec- record holder for the shortest serving UK prime minister. Wasn't it like three months or something? If that, I think it was more like 30 days. Wow. Some familiar names that we've covered in the past, Javier Millet was there. And there was this great video clip of Javier Millet embracing Trump backstage, just like grabbing him. He was crying. He had tears in his eyes as he's hugging Trump. Uh, Naib Bukele was there, president of El Salvador, Steve Bannon, Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville, Matt Gates from Florida, uh, another another familiar one from the show from past episodes, Tim Ballard was there. I actually think it is pronounced uh, Tommy Tuberville, but I love so much better the name Tuberville because he's like a fucking root plant. I mean, who cares what how his name is pronounced? <laughs> Tim, Tim Ballard was there, who has recently had even more uh, complaints lodged against him in court, this time in California. Former head of the under Operation Underground Railroad. Cringe, as always. And then just so many more depraved, degenerate monsters were, were, on, were on the lineup. There are so many of them. Wait, are you just, pulling a Hillary right now? The degenerates? So, so many of these... Uh, she said deplorables. Oh, that's what so, it was. So many of these people <laughs> that were listed on the spe- uh, the speaker lineup just had as their title, former something or other. There were so many formers listed there. At least half a dozen formers were listed. It's like in, the, in a history channel thing where each expert is just author. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, we couldn't possibly talk about all of these people, but here are a few highlights courtesy of The Independent. Florida rep Brian Donalds appeared on stage in National Harbor on Thursday saying that, quote, in our economy, we need leadership to counteract, quote, this Green New Deal stuff, which, by the way, isn't even that green. It's not even that green when you go on to read the studies. 
These solar panels are dirtier than natural gas. These wind turbines, there have been more men and women who have died from wind turbines than nuclear power, he said. <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> more people have died from maintaining wind turbines than have died from nuclear power plants. But you got to have leadership that's going to tell the truth and set America on the track going forward. We shouldn't be chasing green technology just to chase green technology. We should be chasing the cheapest and most readily available form of energy so all of our people can be successful, he added. That's like Trump talking about how many whales have died from wind turbines. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like when he was talking about how when you take two magnets and you drop them in water and then that's it. That's the end of the magnets. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that last week? Experts tell me about magnets that so that is not true. Turns out <laughs> magnets still work even when they're wet. <laughs> Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville, I'm going to keep saying it like that, appeared to be very concerned about American fatherhood and the government stepping in to take the place of fathers across the U.S., and there was, of course, a mention of the top Republican boogie woman for the last 30 plus years, Hillary Clinton. Who has, oh my God, that video. Did you see that video that was that, with that's her been in on the car? social? Uh, singing in the car oh, with Chelsea. God, it's and, so and fucking who, cringy. Oh, it was terrible. It was so bad. Oh, oh, Jesus. Who is her publicist? Who's managing all of this stuff and putting why her in these situations? In the, in the limelight. Why, why do we still see her? I, I think that there is this whole there there is a core of like sixty year old wealthy women with like multiple master's degrees that still are in love with her. I think that there there's this whole like like people who still use the word like pantsuit mafia. They they just eat all of that shit up. She's just the fucking glitter of the pussy hat parade. Where where you just you just can't fucking shake the glitter. It it shows up years later, and you don't know how it fucking got well, there. Like after, after after a night in the strip club, you mean? Well, I meant arts and crafts. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I meant Comic Con. Okay, I've never had glitter on me days after Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Podcast host Ben Ferguson was interviewing Mr. Tuberville saying uh, they probably should call him Senator. He's, he is a Senator. He is a Senator saying, God, listen to myself. I'm not going <laughs> to cut it because I just did that pedantic bullshit right there. So it's there. I'm, I'm that guy. We are at war right now to control our children because they believe that our children are part of the United States government. They are not yours. What is he even going on about? Your kids, your grandkids, these communists and socialists and Marxists believe when they talk about your kids as property of this country. Hillary Clinton said it takes a village. Why? Because she doesn't like your home, Matt Schlapp, because he's the CPAC chairman. That's about her fucking book. It, she wrote that book like 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It takes a village. She likes her village and she wants to indoctrinate your children. <laughs> so Tuberville saying she she titled her book It Takes a Village because she doesn't like your house. <laughs> she, she thinks your kids should be taken away and raised in the village. 
<laughs> Mr. Tuberville was, of course, unable to answer without bringing up gender or without bashing teachers. I've seen all this mess, and it starts with what's going on in our family, with our kids, and with this crazy idea of gender. They want everybody to be the same. <laughs> Unions at one time were good for this country. All right, all right. Wait, what, what kind of bullshit is that? There is no point when establishment politics ever thought unions were good. There has never been a history in labor relations when anybody in power thought unions were good. The, uh, like the, the, the last person that, they, they that, have, uh, that thought that unions were good was like FDR. Yeah. And even then it was, it was dubious at best. Unions at one time were good for this country, but not unions for our teachers and our schools because they have absolutely been the ones that drag our country down because they want to teach this woke socialism agenda that our parents don't want. <laughs> Wait a minute. Who's pa his parents? <laughs> Are they still alive? <laughs> they He's died just got him sitting Caesar in rocking chairs stabbed. like Norman Bates. <laughs> <laughs> like weekend at He claimed without pushback from Mr. Ferguson. He claimed without pushback from Mr. Ferguson. And of course, the government have attacked our parents for years. They want to divide the family. They want the dad gone. They want the mom to get a check for every kid. It's a disaster. And it all goes back to Christian and moral values. Now he's just, yeah, he's just gone on a tear. Like they need to put a blanket over his lap and put him in a, like one of those old, old fashioned wheelchairs and place him by the window. <laughs> Mr. Ferguson added that this added that in his hometown of Memphis, Tennessee this year, they think that about 84 to 86% of all African-American children born this year will be born to single parent households. The government has become the father. Hey, you know what? If, it, if he wants to get into this sort of like Jim Crow imprisonment of, of black men kind of discussion, that would be awesome. Because that's exactly the like one of the biggest issues going on right now is the the, the ever growing prison population. I don't think that's where he's headed though. Yeah, I have a suspicion that he hasn't seen the documentary. He's headed there. 13th. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Mr. Tuberville added that they want to control everything that we do. They hate Christianity. If you pull the Constitution out on you know, they run like it's a crucifix. Out on you know what. The entire thing here is globalization, overtaking everything that we do. They're going to vilify you. They're going to see everything in a world said about Donald Trump or your local conservative politician, he claimed. Now he, he's really gone off. Yeah. Like the, the verbs aren't even matching the objects. There, <laughs> there's it's. It's just a, it's just a, is this no, AI, it's just, AI generation it's just that, again? That meme of Grandpa Simpson in the, in the newspaper, like man yells at clouds. <laughs> <laughs> Old man yells at clouds. <laughs> They're going to come after you. Didn't you use I that in the last did. episode? I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to come after you. They're going to come after your churches, your anything you do with any kind of discipline, your law enforcement. It's going to be a tough time because they can't give up. They know a lot of these people are going to go to jail. <laughs> he added without <laughs> substantiating his claims. <laughs> like what people are like all these Trump supporters. Who's who's know. trying to substantiate his claims? Like, do they have fact checkers? Fact checkers at the, yeah, they do not. <laughs> the CPAC conference? 
<laughs> and then they and they and they say he added without substantiating his claims as if any of these people are substantiated or that they even are saying something that can be substantiated. Right. Exactly. It's it's so off the wall and and half of it is unverifiable <laughs> existentially. All right, if I can get my shit together, I'm going to move on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Tommy Tuberville. I really do. <laughs> like he is the best. <laughs> he is really good. It, I, is he the <laughs> is he the senator that said that uh, women have a way of shutting that stuff down? Regarding rape, or am I I mistaking him for another senator? I think that is him, yeah. I think that's him. All right. (laughs) Mike Davis, the former chief counsel for nominations to then-Senate Judiciary Chairman Chuck Grassley, argued that, quote, if we did not have a benevolent billionaire... Oh, boy. (laughs) God, I can't even get through this. (laughs) If we did not have a benevolent billionaire with Elon Musk making this terrible investment in buying Twitter, we would not have free speech online in this country. And we shouldn't have to rely on benevolent billionaires to have free speech. Ah, yes. The philosopher king, Elon Musk. Right. Because that's all going so well, pussy and bio. <laughs> that, I don't know. Is that, is that reference too obscure? No. Okay. Former United States Assistant Secretary of the Treasury for Public Affairs in the Trump administration, Monica Crowley, said during a panel discussion that, quote, two years ago from this stage, I was the very first person to raise the possibility that the Democrats might reach for Michelle Obama. And I'll never forget, the room fell silent because there was not a peep. You could hear a pin drop. And then there was a collective gasp across the room. And I remember saying, guys, don't shoot the messenger. It does us no good to live in wishful thinking fantasy land, right? Because, because Trump supporters have never done that. <laughs> <laughs> They're always, those are the most down to earth thinkers, but the Democrats <laughs> I mean, don't have a plan. They are communists. Communists always have a plan. <laughs> it It's, it's, it's this back and forth between either their, uh, the Democrats are a bunch of, lazy shiftless ne'er-do-wells and and they they can't get their shit together long enough even joe biden uh can can barely string a few sentences together meanwhile they're also the masterminds of every possible detail right down to plotting a taylor swift uh uh relationship with some fucking footballer like which is it? Are they are they masterminds who are geniuses down to the last detail, or are they totally incompetent and shiftless and lazy? Personally, I think Democrats are lazy, shiftless, ne'er do wells, and totally incompetent and, la- and yeah, absolutely. And I do not believe that Joe Biden can string a sentence together. I think that's also correct. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess being a communist, I should probably have a plan. <laughs> if they were communists i might little see communists i might be a little more interested in what they had to say yeah i'm not really a communist like, i i can't i can't truck with a lot of this shit that comes out of them but the but uh i still think i should have a plan <laughs> you need a plan like you need a go bag running with the right-wing narrative that mr biden is not actually in charge all right so 
This is a misunderstanding on the part of this British journalist. I understand they don't quite grasp the nuances of our political climate right now. Yes, there is a right-wing narrative that Mr. Biden is not actually in charge. The right-wing narrative is typically not that Obama is in charge, as you know, as uh, Monica Crowley is saying here. Typically, the right-wing narrative about Obama about Biden not being in charge is that he's not really the alive even. He's actually an actor, and Trump is still the president. And what we're living through right now is some sort of a military action that where in at some future point all will be revealed. This is just uh, uh, all gathering evidence to support Trump's claim that Biden is corrupt and the Democrats are corrupt and the deep state is running everything. Uh, besides an actor, maybe a clone. Depends Possibly on who you a ask. clone. It depends. Or a reptile. Yeah, some people, yeah, some people, it could be a reptile actor. Um, it could be somebody cloning a reptile. It could be- <laughs> Actually, we haven't heard much from about the reptiles in like 10 years. Uh, that's just because we're not talking about it. You can find it. You don't have to dig even that deep. It just doesn't <laughs> rise to the surface that much. It's there. People talk about it. And they installed Jude Biden in there because they knew he was a senile guy and could be a puppet. And so they're the ones pulling the strings, meaning Obama. The left has a host has a host group of power brokers working in conjunction with the deep state, which is real, she claimed, without sharing any facts to back up her bizarre claims. There probably is something of a deep state. I don't totally disagree with that idea, but the way it's characterized is probably not at all accurate. It's probably much more like a group of bureaucrats that are show up day in and day out, plotting forward without any real agenda, but just doing their jobs. That's the deep state, you I, know. I mean, and, and that that's a real impediment to anybody who wants to do any sort of institutional reinvigoration or, or change because that momentum, that cultural momentum that is all over the state department and every, you know, like every department inside the government that really, that, that carries through and resists any kind of influence because these people, they don't want to have things shaken up. They're career bureaucrats. They're, they're looking for their, you know, their 25 year pension or their 30 year pension. They're just doing their job. They don't care who's running the company. And that's why you can change out the CEO in a corporation and still not have any kind of like cultural change deep down, like at the bottom, because deep down at the bottom, you're looking at wage laborers who do not give a shit about your changing agendas. They don't care about it. If you really want a conspiracy about shadowy individuals controlling the government, it's fucking Heritage Foundation. Yeah, but I mean, that's different than deep state. But yes, that would be the real conspiracy. It would be the that dark money. That would be the money. real conspiracy. Yeah, it would be the dark money that is influencing things behind the scenes. That is like paying for junkets for politicians to go away to an island for a vacation. Or all the people that were behind all the Epstein bullshit. You know, well, like almost all, all every people- major political right wing move for the last 30 years if you chase it down the rabbit hole long enough, you fucking find heritage foundations somewhere yeah. in the, uh, I guess, engineering of the ideology of either the talking points oh, absolutely. or, or funding yeah. major speakers and, and so forth. Are you looking at even contemporary people like Zuckerberg, who is an enormous supporter of privatizing education? 
Why? Who the fuck knows? Why is that his thing? I have no fucking idea. I mean, but it's he had the same a bad with ex- Bill and Melinda Gates. They they love the idea of private education as well. Again, you got two more people that are in favor of this, you know, and like definitely Bill Gates, a product of private schooling, a lar- largely. You get these people with their agendas and all of their money. So yeah, dark money influencing all of these agendas for sure. That is the real conspiracy. It's fucking capital. It's always fucking capital. I mean, I don't think you, if you go back beyond that 30 years that the Heritage Foundation and the Koch brothers have been exerting influence on politics in the US. And Heritage Foundation is 50 years to be fair, but it's really the last 30 years. That but it's sure. Yeah. 50 years for sure. But if you go back even beyond the 50 year mark, you get another group of ultra rich people that are influencing things. It's always, it's the fucking Rockefellers. It's the Carnegie's. It's, it's gonna, it's always somebody, you know, you go back to the origination of this country and it was wealthy landowners that, that carved out everything and, and decide, and they're the ones that created the agenda that everybody else was going to follow. You know, you look at the people who, who wrote the declaration of independence, look at Thomas Jefferson. You look at the people who, who participated in writing the constitution, all you you never you never escape the fact that it's going to be the wealthy landowners that are first and foremost looking out for them. You know they're looking out for their own, and they need they need a good story to explain it away to the unwashed it's masses. Always a story because you can't you can't the, their agenda is preserving their own authority. Their their agenda is to preserve their own power. I mean, I was just reading, um, yeah, I'm reading this great book by Greg Grandin called The Blood of Guatemala, and he is talking about exactly the same the kind of dynamic occurring in Guatemala in relation to the, the, the Quiche people who were in there as the subjugated group when the Spanish came in. But among, the, among their own indigenous population, they were the elite. They were in charge as far as the indigenous people went. So they carved out their own niche. What do you know? When push came to shove, they acted in their own best interests and against the indigenous uh, uh, landless people, you know, their own people. They acted against them and in their own interests. We have the same dynamic occurring at the foundation of this country where you have this group of fairly wealthy people who acted against the average Americans so that they could get something over on the British. And even when, even when we get to the, to the civil war where a a key issue between uh, Northern States and Southern States was the issue of slavery, that, that was the, the primary reason for them, them, the, the Southern States leaving, but there is going I thought it was on freedom. There. Uh, yeah, just being independent. Uh, they, 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 they want to be free from the impression. I I, I was just in Texas. I, I I must've like, like drank something in the water, you know, (laughs) but but there, there is the context that is less often discussed. Either you're, you're talking about the, the bullshit lines from the daughters of the revolution propaganda that tried to reframe what happened, uh, in, in the South. And the secession, or you have uh, what what is generally understood in history books, if they're not rewritten by by that narrative. But it's less often talked talked about that there were the industrialists in the north, and slavery in the south was not compatible with what they what they uh, were working towards in their economy. 
And so you had this conflict of two different kinds of landholders that were competing. You, you know, you're talking about my people there, because I if, if I uh, if I sought it out, I could be a son of the American Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> because my grandmother was D.A.R. Get the fuck out. <laughs> I swear to God, I really could. <laughs> I got a whole I got a whole wing of my family that's been here since the revolution. And it was like and managed to at least convince people that they were on the American side. <laughs> <laughs> were they also a 64th Cherokee my family's been here for a long long time <laughs> alright I think that's good I that's need to good. call it for the evening as always everybody thank you so much for listening and if you had a good time why don't you go ahead and tell somebody out there about it because that would be really cool and if you want to get extra premium episodes when we release them, be sure to subscribe on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash wetwired. It's just $5 a month, and you can always check it out with a free trial. We're on Twitter and Instagram. We're at wetwiredpod. And on Blue Sky, it's it's the handle plus all the other bullshit. Uh, but it's it's wetwired plus dot blue sky or whatever the handle thing is. Uh, it's going to be in our episode description. You could just I'm, search for us, case. too. Yeah, just search for us. Oh, and of course, uh, we've also got uh, the Discord, oh, which has been a little bit Discord. more active lately. Yeah. So hop on there. Join in the conversation. Yeah, I've I've recently realized that uh, I have a good time on there. So, yeah, <laughs> come join us on Discord. Until next time, everybody. We'll see you out there. Later, skaters. I remember vividly, I was just a kid, when, when Jimmy Carter left America in an ash heap and Ronald Reagan inherited that, but it was his calm optimism and frankly, a little bit of humor, we always loved that, that brought us together as Americans and inspired us and reminded us that we could get through that difficult time if we stuck together. And then nearly three decades later, a man with golden hair came down a golden escalator and he gave us another reminder. Donald Trump was exactly the man we needed in 2015, and he's exactly the man we need today for the job. Thank you, you guys are too kind. Thank you. You know, I, I like the bull in a china shop ideology. I like, I like a strong man. We got way too many weaklings out there. How? Let me hear from the ladies out there. We're tired of the beta men. We want some alpha men. And we got a number one alpha man in Donald J. Trump. <laughs>